0: You're listening to Hidden by Design, a podcast about the stuff that you didn't know about design. My name's Martin, and this is... Hidden by Design. Nailed it. Oh, yeah, and my main name is Torbjörn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now we, the
0: podcast starts. And uh, Yeah, we should start recording now. Are
1: you not recording? <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode will be about Hicks Law, and not about big data, but small data, and... Uh, I'll let you hang in there. So moving to the
0: the quote of the day, we're, we're, we're moving along rapidly already in this episode. This is slide number two. <laughs> we're there. Um, quote of the day is, less is more. And that is, oh, I have no idea how to pronounce this. <laughs> Ludv- Ludwig
1: Mies van der Rohe. Exactly. That sounded pretty good. It's another one of these Bauhaus dudes that we talked about so much in, you know, the episode about color, mm. all of the Gestalt. The, the law of proximity and, and all of that. So they were at it. And this guy, right at World War II, he fl- fled to the United States because, you know, Nazis weren't really fond of people who, 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 who said no or contradicted the system or had, you know, thoughts that weren't the right ones. So he fled together with a lot of the other Bauhaus dudes. So chapter one. What is Hicks law? So Hicks law was thought up by a guy called uh, and I forgot his name, but it's was it Mr. Hicks by any chance? He's exactly He's but he has like a real name. It's so Hicks law was, Named after the British and American psychologist Wilman Edmund Hick Ray Heyman, <laughs> so Hick's law was is uh, you know uh, made by a a um, psychologist in the 1950s or sixties or something like that, and and basically the the, the law, so the law. Dictates your response time to making decisions or taking action to thing from from this very <laughs> strange equation, right? So it's response time RT equals A plus B times logarithmic two to the number. I think I think
0: this is the first equation we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but it's quite simple actually so it's so to those of you who don't know math like a logarithmic scale is is one that starts and it 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 makes this it's like it it if you have if you have the y axis and the x axis it rapidly and aggressively increase and then it flattens out right so you have this kind of this 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 wave kind of um where, where it grows fast and then it evens out. And so the response time is a result of. So the RT response time is is your personal load. It's like what's going on in your brain. So and then environmental influences add it to that, and then we we make a logarithmic, it's like this curve based on the number of choices, if that makes sense, right? So you have the number of choices, and then you add personal load plus environmental load, and then you get this kind of curve. Now, all of the details here is is not really that important, but what this, Algorithm, like what this um, equation gives us is an understanding that, that the more choices you have to relate to, the more difficult it, it gets. But it's all in that, you know, as, as soon as you... If you have one choice it's easy if you have two choices it's also easy but as soon as you reach three four or five then because it rapidly takes up then then your your time to action or your response time understanding what's going on and and taking action like rapidly decreases or increase like the time increases right so you get slower and slower So, so, But that also means that once you reach that point of information overload, then adding new items doesn't really add to it. And I think it's (laughs) in the example of Skittles. If you have 10 Skittles and you add one, that feels like a lot. But if you have a thousand Skittles and add one, that one Skittle feels like less. And it's kind of the same thing that happens in your brain is if you have a lot of different choices and you add one, then it doesn't affect you as much as if you had 10 choices and you add one, then the, the effect and the impact of that one choice is is, uh, is big. So, So I guess the outcome of this is typically – uh, and, and this doesn't only count for if you make design and you have to make choices, but it also just really goes into to the way that you th- think about things, right? So if you have to make a choice, the reaction choice. If you have to make a decision, the decision, right? So so it's also the mental load. So here's an example from me. When my girlfriend is really, really good at remembering things I have to do in the house. <laughs> And I'm, I'm a man, so you give me one chore, <laughs> and I'll do that, <laughs> because if I have two, I it's information overload for me. So she can give me the whole list, but I won't remember it. And if I have to do do groceries, remembering more than four items, I will not, because. I get distracted on the way to to the store. This is relatable
0: for me. You're always so <laughs> exactly. so so confident that you'll remember those five items at the shop, and then you get there and you think, oh, <laughs> and that's it. It's it's all over. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like, <laughs> but you remember those five, right? So so yeah. So there's a there's a simple experiment you can actually do on yourself to see this in effect. I do this when I, I have this PowerPoint presentations about giving PowerPoint presentations <laughs> that I show people because there's often this idea that you put a lot of text on each slide and then you just read from that text and, and people, you know, as soon as they see that slide that's just a wall of text, they die a little bit inside. And so, so there's multiple reasons why they do that. But but one of the things that happens is that people, it's like no one, human beings cannot multitask. It's physically impossible. I think we talked about in the episode about the brain in season one. And that means that if you have to relate to more than one item at a time, you it's like one thing at a time, you lose focus. And so when you present a slide with a lot of text, people will start reading and they will stop listening to what you have to say. Um, so in order for, for you to have people's attention, you want to have as little content on those slides, but content enough so that they can relate to the things that you're saying, right? So they get like you, you set the stage with the slide and then you take the stage from there. So what I do is I have one slide with four or five dots on it, and I ask people, I just show it, ask people to count them as fast as they can. And then once they're done counting, we will go to the next slide, which will have, you know, eight to 12 dots. And I ask them to count those. And what happens in your brain is that that as soon as you see four dots, you instinctively know you don't even have to count them. You just know that there's four there because your brain can kind of contain that. It's like five, we're on the edge. Some people won't be able to do it. Six, we're definitely, you know, there. But as soon as you show 12, people can't recognize it and they will start counting the different dots. And so the time that it takes them to count those, it, it was like... it. It, it doesn't just triple. It's like it becomes infinitely longer to do that, and that is simply because we can't we can't obtain that or contain that much information. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for you to have an example or something.
0: Uh, yeah, I have got examples, and there was a couple of things in there that that I picked up on that that I can uh, sort of compare to. I think. Um, but the, the the examples I've got were all, were all based around a similar sort of thing. So um, the first one I've got written down yeah. is the Amazon homepage. Now, oh, yeah, oh, I can't go onto Amazon to browse for something, just to have a little shop around, see what they've got, what takes my fancy, because there's just far too much on that homepage straight away. You've got a menu on that side. You've got a menu going across the top as well so you've got two menus and then you've even got your orders menu over here and then you'll have hold on i opened it up just now to have a quick look so that i could uh reference it so then you have a picture at the top advertising whatever they want to advertise there's also a little bit about free v tribunal justice stream free there's another little advert for their tv streaming platform Then they've got pick up where you left off, so do I want to look at things that I've already looked at, keep shopping for, things I've looked at already again, buy again, things I've bought, am I looking for a gift, then a TV show, then uh, a toothbrush and razor set, which I've never looked at on here, speakers, then you get into women's fashion, men's fashion, unique gifts, just for you, Japan store, and it's just there's just too much there. So I think... I've only found myself ever going on Amazon when I want to buy a specific product. I just put that in the search
1: and that's it. So everything they're showing me is completely useless to me. You don't even see it, right? So so that is really, really interesting. And obviously Amazon is using a lot of time designing their front page to to be as effective as possible. So this is super, super interesting because it kind of defies science. <laughs> and I'm not really sure. I've been looking at this and I never kind of browsed around, just as you, I look at that page and I go, nah, not going to do it. So when I buy something from Amazon or do something on Amazon, I it typically, because it pops up in Google. and I, And I don't know if, if that's a strategy, and they don't really care about that front page because no one uses it, this actually leads us into to a thing called banner blindness. So, so because the brain kind of knows this, the brain understands that you cannot relate to too many objects, or too many choices, or too many alternative things. So, what it does is it's kind of like, it's like with smell. You know, when you go somewhere and it smells different, right? Then you smell it just for a little while and then the brain simply tuned that smell out because you don't need it anymore. So you go somewhere where it smells really bad and then it smells really bad, but only for a while until your brain gets used to it and then it filters that smell out. Now, cognitive load works the same way. So there's this old, you know, in the 90s, <laughs> there was such a <laughs> there was such a a demand for you to look at stuff that that you, you know, they wanted you to click something, especially advertisements and stuff. So what they would do is they would they would plant a big red button that says click here and they would animate it, right? So they just did all of the things to get your attention. What happened was that, that the brain kind of got used to this is an ad and something I shouldn't click. So not only did I ignore it consciously, your brain just tuned it out. And now anywhere in the internet where you would see something that blinks or do that, you ignore it. And so it doesn't add to those choices you have to do because you simply don't see it. And so I have this feeling that this is what happens to Amazon users. People who shop there a lot, they know exactly what they're looking for. The brain just tune out all of these things that doesn't really make sense. So there's two scenarios for users on Amazon. One is I'm looking for something to buy. I don't really know what it is. Or I'm looking for something to buy And I know what it is, and then on the way, I want to accidentally fall onto something else that I want to purchase as well, right? So they have this, that's what they're doing, is that they're trying to get you to buy stuff that you don't really need by adding these things. And as we talked about in a previous episode, then they add like nasty little tricks, on, on the way that they do it. Dark Design, Episode
0: 1, Season 2. <laughs> 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 wow! <laughs> nice. And I could only remember that because there's only been three episodes so far. If there'd have been five or six, then I would have, it would have been information overload.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things that, as a designer or as a- anyone then you do something called visual hierarchy or you create a hierarchy of order of importance so in the visual in the visual language we have something it's like we have size we have color we have contrast we have alignment uh, we repeat things there's proximity all of the gestalt laws basically and some others right so so we have these way of grouping people and arranging them so that the user can actually see what's most important and and that's also taking place on the amazon side is that they have these drop downs and menus and things still completely a clusterfuck of uh, overload of of information on the on the on the amazon side but they use a lot of this to try to give some sort of sense of what did they want you to buy? So you will see the sizes of the relatable items are actually quite big compared to what you're interested in buying and stuff like that. How does it work if – so one of the other examples I had was – I don't know if it's
0: still there actually, but there was a, a, a baguette shop or a baguette a baguette takeaway in Canterbury near where, to where I live. Ba- baguette, yeah. And every so, <laughs> wait a minute, right? So you just went there to buy baguette? <laughs> it was it was like takeaway. So you would eat what you know you would get a filling, and you would eat the baguette. But it was only only baguettes that they did, and that's mm. what made it popular because it was a bit different. But the men the menu was behind the counter, chalkboard, just handwritten, and it was all the same size, all the same color. But there was probably a hundred different fillings. So you could only really go in and you just look and just pick the first or second thing you looked at because otherwise it would be impossible to, to choose because it's just too much. So looking at these different things like size, colour, contrast, etc. It didn't have that. It was just a mass of text. So is that infinitely worse because they haven't really done anything to, to try and focus you?
1: Yes, that is infinitely worse. So if you if you and so so our brains really like to categorize or, or box things in and, and and make sense of the world around us right that's what it's constantly trying to do and so we can do visual or mental tricks to help our brain right so when when did my girlfriend sends me to the grocery with the list of five items she could do some of these hierarchies that says like you need two things from uh, the hygiene s- section and three things from the food section. And then I would be able to group and say, all right, uh, I need five things, and now they're grouped into two, and I would be able to actually do it. Or I could write a list, but <laughs> which typically we do. <laughs> Something else I was
0: thinking of was to do with parenting or, or actually flipping it to the perspective of the child. So... For example, in the morning, my son generally has the same thing that he loves for breakfast. He has about three or four be- breakfasts every morning. It's cr- crazy. <laughs> and he's only six. So by the time he's a teenager, he'll be having about 11
1: breakfasts. <laughs> but, but that is true, though. I have teenagers. There's like They're like garbage bins. Yes. You just put food in it and it just
0: disappears. <laughs> I think what I'm getting at here is... When it gets to like his third or fourth breakfast, he's saying, I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. So, what do you want? And in the past, I would say, Do you want toast? Do you want a croissant? Do you want Weetabix? Do you want shreddies? Do you? And then he just sits there like, I don't know because I'm giving him too much information. So, the only way to combat that, because it's not, it's just verbal. You know, there's, no, there's nothing for him to associate by looking at. So, I just say, Do you want this? And then I wait for him to say yes or no. And I give him one choice at a time, uh, and that seems to solve it. But is there any way to to make that an easier process without these sort of assistant uh, things that can assist me, like size, color, contrast?
1: Right. Yeah. So you're putting it in. So, so oh, that's a that's a good. Give me just a second. I need to think about that. I'm I'm just asking for parenting advice, really.
0: At this point, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I could get him to look at them, so that he can uh, associate.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, it's it's this thing about you know. I was thinking about my child. I would I ask him to put on socks. He would go there and then he would go past a mirror, and you know how mirrors affect children. He would stop at the mirror and he would just mirror mirror he would stop at the mirror and he would just stand there and just looking at his own face going "Mm -hmm," making faces right and so he would never get his sock on because socks on because the mirror would would distract him and i think it's the same thing and and that information overload and he doesn't really know what he wants i think ah so yeah because when
0: quite often when he's waiting for this choice to magically appear he's either playing minecraft or watching telly or something so that information overload is coming from a different source to what i'm providing ah so they
1: ah yes exactly and so if you go back to the formula now now that that really really good right so you have you have the 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 amount of time it takes you to make a choice is personal you know what's happening inside of your head already and what do you have going on? And then there's the environmental. If some something is disturbing you, for example, a screen that that displays stuff, and so and you're thinking about what, what what's doing. And now you add a third choice to it. And so it's like it's a really really good question. It's like how do you get a child to pick something because they're really really easily dis- distracted. The answer is to not give too many choices, like two or three at maximum, and then display it to him, I would say. So his attention is 100% on that. Which is
0: why, in a way, like to me, another example is a toy shop. Like the toy shops here are, you know, they're, they're, they're big and there's just, if you go down the Lego aisle, you can send him down the Lego aisle and he won't be able to pick what he wants if he's got some money to buy Lego with. He'll be like, I don't don't know, because there's hundreds and hundreds of different options. So they've, yeah, they're not doing themselves favours by, this is something I wrote down actually, it's at the moment we're in a world where everything is at our fingertips and people don't want everything all the time. It's there if we need it, but we don't want it all the time. But it seems that we are given or at least shown everything all the time because that's
1: what they think we want but it's not. Well, that's what they want to sell us at least. Everything all at once, right? And I think that's, so if I remember correctly from the Lego aisle, typically what they will do is like, they will have different sizes of boxes. They will have, they will create sections of different types of Lego. So you have, uh, you know, the knights the Lego and the space Lego at different sections. And then each of these will have big or small boxes depending on stuff. And then sometimes we will have a display window showing some of the stuff that you can get. And so they try to make this hierarchy of importance in the way that they display things so that they put in front of you the things that they would like you to buy the most. Just, just a quick as- uh, aside, it is related.
0: Yeah. The first ever... TV voiceover that I did was for Lego, <laughs> and one of one of the best days in my life was when we were in the toy shop, and in the display cabinet was the set that I'd done the voiceover for. <laughs> so I just stood there doing the voiceover for it in the shop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: please carry on.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> So, but that meant that you created, and so, but that's actually a really, really good example because you made your own hierarchy of importance. In that, right? You, as soon as you saw that, everything else probably just faded away, and you only saw that. Oh yes, I had the, the camera was out, everything. I was standing next to it, smiling. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, and that, and and I think that's it, right? So, if you wanna, it, when you wanna do something like this. And you have a lot of choices. This is, it's like, you know, we can even take it as far as to stress. So children, obviously, are really, really bad at information overload. And to your point about your son and eating breakfast, it's just one of these things. I'm tired, I'm low on energy, I need something in. My middle son, what we would do is we would just make him porridge there's like no information. He would just sit in silence because if you asked him anything, he would start screaming and crying. So what we did is we put him in the, in the chair with the table. We made his porridge and we just put it in front of him. It's like ready, like we knew that he kind of liked it. And then we would leave the room. That's amazing. And only when he ate in a couple of spoonfuls, he would be back. We air. We would make porridge and we would do, I would do this thing where I put raisins in it and I told him it's a treasure hunt. You have to find the raisins. And so he felt like a (laughs) pirate just digging his way through the porridge. So, so in, in order for, to handle stress, right? So this is actually closely related to stress, so you will hear people saying stress is not real, stress is like there's, and then stress is real and, 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 uh, and a lot of people don't understand what it really is. I'm, I'm reading a lot about this because I'm, I'm definitely one of the people that's in the danger zone. And what happened typically in a you know, normal day-to-day life is that you have all of these different tasks and things that you have to do. And your brain simply keeps, because they it's like the shopping list, right? When you go shopping and you have five items and you have to remember them, a way to remember them is just repeating them all the way to the store. Right, so you just repeat them again and again and again. And as soon as you, it's like remembering a phone number as well. right? You remember a phone number, you try to just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it to just make sure that you don't forget it until you put it on your phone. And so you will see someone say it and you repeat it until you have your phone where you can write it down. Now, if you have a lot of tasks or things that I think it's like a feeling that you know, it's like most people know, is is this feeling of overwhelmed by a lot of tasks and someone asks you, are you busy? And you go like, yeah, 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 because I have to do this, I have to do that, you have to do this, I have to do this. And then you only mention these four items, but you know that there's a million other items that you forgot about. And that is what's stressful, is all of the things that you didn't do, but you know you're supposed to do, if that makes sense. That's um, a, a common problem in this household
0: is quite often there will be, and going back to you about your one chore that you can handle at a time, there will be lots of things that need doing, You know, lots of chores and, and other bits and pieces. And my girlfriend will often say, I feel a bit overwhelmed. There's so much to do. And I always try and come back to business brain and say, well, you don't need to think about it all at the same time. You just pick one and do it. And then whilst you're doing it, you, you, know, you don't need to think about everything else. You're concentrating on, I don't know, the hoovering or whatever. I don't know where I was going with that. Did that make, was that related
1: or not? <laughs> that Absolutely, that, but that's exact, that's 100% related. And, and so the way that you actually do that to just improve on that specifically in your daily life is you make the hierarchy of order of importance, right? Just like you do the visual hierarchy to help you understand an interface, you can make a mental hierarchy of what's important and making lists will just help you immensely and then practicing just shutting everything out that isn't that you aren't doing right now it's like i t- typically find it very helpful to just write down whenever i think about something i have to do i write it down and i put it i do i have this task manager called todoist because then i know at some point and i can put a date on which means that at some point in the future it will pop up so just write write it down really, really quickly, put a date on next week or something, and then it will pop up at some point and I can, I can, I can deal with it there. But I, I constantly try, because otherwise I would die. It would take me less than a few days to die from stress if I didn't do that. Put, uh, put Todoist in the show notes. That'll be good. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an excellent.
0: I think I've mentioned the book before, but there's one called um, Eat That Frog. And that mention It's amazing. Yeah, that mentions about lists and how to prioritise what jobs. And of course, all this feeds back into flow. Once you've you know, once you've got that one thing that you're gonna work on, um you can you can get into flow easier. And of course, season one, episode
1: five. <laughs> God damn it! You're on a roll. <laughs> yes. Yeah, season one, episode five. That's that's the episode about flow. But all of this, right? I, I think the end message of this is that all of this is kind of tied together. And the idea, if, if you do design, it's like it's this, the Hicks law kind of touches upon so many things in, in everything you do. Um, and just understanding this, that people can't multitask, understanding that if you if you don't tell people what's important and what they have to focus on and 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 pay attention to, they they won't know. Uh, we're we're uh, way less reflective than you would think. And to all the wives out there and girlfriends, us men, we don't know what we're doing, and <laughs> we can't remember more than what it's like one simple instruction. Otherwise, we will <laughs> we will. We will perish. It's just a small prayer.
0: I was I was just quickly thinking of things like looking at the the banner blindness and visual hierarchy, things like well, Amazon as well. But the other examples I had were like the streaming services, like Prime, Apple. I try and get them all in there. Um, yeah. Disney, all those Stitcher. sorts of things. Netflix, yeah, all of those. They they often will have lots of these different things trying to pull your attention. So they will have on, uh, I think it's Disney, they will have at the top five or six big pictures of things to watch. Then underneath it will be, do you want to continue watching smaller pictures? And then medium-sized pictures of things. So it's not always easy as you know, a customer or an audience, I guess, to, to choose things. And the gaming like, uh Steam platform as well, I have great trouble finding something on there because it's just there's just so much. I know there's gonna be so much and I don't go on there to look very often because I know there's too much for me to handle.
1: Yeah, and and there's a fine line. So so I know that, you know, both Steam and uh well Steam is is actually a bad example because they're not super good at it. But they will have, they will have these because, because what, what you're mentioning here is there's a difference, and I think sometimes providers of services like Netflix and Disney and, and Steam is, is kind of mixing the two audiences up. Audience number one is the one who know exactly what it is that they want. It's like, so I go on Disney to find a specific movie. And then because I know what I want to watch. And then there's the one who just sit down one evening and think, all right, what am I going to watch? What am I in the mood for? And and that's, like, that's a difficult task for Disney to actually handle because what are you in the mood for <laughs> right now, right? And so they do these things. So if you look at it from a visual hierarchy point of view, so they have the big pictures in the top. That's what they want you to pick. So they try to make that exciting and enticing. And if if you notice that ever so often these thumbnails or these pictures from the movies they change. I don't know if you notice that. So the 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 title picture for for a movie will change to something different. Um, and that is to try to kind of hit your mood or ha- hit say, like, how do we get a higher engagement on these different things? So they have a clear visual hierarchy where they have the big pictures at the top and you scroll those. Then you have, go back to watching what I didn't finish watching because it's a high probability that you're in a similar mood because this is your... And then they will go with, as far as I remember, they will go with categories, like action movies, comedy, uh, children movies, right? Right? And they will also try to match that to what mood you're in typically. But looking at that screen typically' is like to me at least, sometimes it becomes so much of the same. And it doesn't surprise it's like I want to be surprised. That's what I'm in the mood for. And so they and they don't have that. And and you're right, that is that is a that is a good example. But it's a difficult thing to do though because they're selling you stuff, (laughs) just like Lego and all of these others in the toy store. So, but a good, strong visual hierarchy or a hierarchy of order of importance. What do we want? What do we think you want? And and what do you want? It's like, I think we can even go back to the dark design slash uh, deceptive design. That's what it's called right now. And we have to be politically correct. (laughs) And it is a better name, to be completely honest. Deceptive Design is, is, you know, going back to Amazon. And your example is they use this concept, it's like consciously to confuse you so that you accidentally see things you didn't need and then you will buy it. It's kind of like the discount shelves in the supermarket, right? You go there to explore and to be... It's like I guess it's like a slot machine, right? If you're in the right mood, you go there and you want to be surprised and 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 tickled in the specific way so that you buy something you know you don't need, but you know it's just cheap and I never knew I needed this, and now I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> And if you have a strong visual hierarchy, you can present what you think the user wants, which is what typically happens on Netflix and Disney. They wanna try to present you something that you want and that will help you have a entertaining and good night. Whereas Amazon uses deceptive design patterns in order for you to spend more money. And so there's, there's a difference in the approach there. Is generally you want to keep your amount of options and choices low. In your daily life, in your life, like mentally, you want to focus on as few things as possible and you want to have as few options as possible. In the area of two to three, four, maybe that's, that's what we want. And when you're presenting or designing something for someone else, like your child in the morning, don't give them five choices. Give them two choices. If you have loads of things
0: to do at home on your to, on your to do or in business, your to do list or your chores at home, make a list. You can put all of those things on there. That's that's okay. But then just pick one which is the most important, and then just do that until it's finished. Exactly.
1: And then read, eat that frog, and what was the other? Oh, uh, to doist. To doist. Yeah, yeah. Eat that frog, and you can use to doist or asana or. There's a million different tools, but I find To Do is to be really, really great. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hidden
0: by Design. You can find out more about us at hiddenbydesign.net, or you can find us on LinkedIn. My name is Martin Wiskin. This is Torbjorn Lingard Sorensen. No, yes, got it. That's good. You can also like, subscribe, follow the podcast on all of the platforms. That's important. Do follow it on all of the platforms. Give us five stars. And an excellent review, please, as well. Thank you. Can I say something? No.
1: We love you. I said something anyways. I'm a bad boy.